Hi everybody and welcome back to Phil at the Movies. I'm your host Phil Walsh and you're listening to episode number 66 of this ongoing podcast series that is for the love of movies. I want to apologize in advance for the sound of my voice on today's show. It's been a battle of the wills over the last week between Mother Nature and my allergies. Uh, a little bit under the weather today, but uh, never fear. I have a cup of tea ready to go as well as some uh, cough drops at the ready. But uh, all this summer weather and, and heat and humidity has not been my uh, my cup of tea, so to speak. And I am counting down the days until the first of fall, which as far as I'm concerned, can't get here soon enough. But just wanted to put that out there at the start of today's show in case anyone was maybe wondering why my uh, my voice sounds a little bit uh, different than its usual uh, usual tone. But uh, nevertheless, uh, I will endure. Before I uh, begin today's show, which the subject of it is Christmas in July, and frankly that seems rather fitting given how I'm feeling right now, I uh, wanted to comment on a few breaking news items that have happened in, in the last week. Uh, as it stands right now, there is still no uh, deal that has been reached between the Writers Guild of America and the studios. And now added to the mix, uh, the Screen Actors Guild is at this point, as of the recording of today's show, they're looking to go on strike as well. So for all intents and purposes, Hollywood is going to be shut down un- until further notice, and in the uh, in sort of the the long term effect of this, because a lot of times people wonder, well, you know, what 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 does this mean? Well, this will ultimately affect production and and film releases down the line, uh, as well as in the short term, actors, for example, won't be able to promote any new movies or go to any press junkets or or pretty much engage in any kind of a uh, uh, promotion of their of their films, and uh, again, I think all of this is is frankly unnecessary because if the studios would just get together, and as, again, I think it was Colin Farrell who said it eloquently a few a few months back, just get a deal, just just put together a deal that is fair and equitable to the writers. This is crazy that we have to be going through this in the year twenty twenty three, and to just sort of put into per, uh, perspective. How long it has been since both the Screen Actors Guild and the Writers Guild have both been on strike. You've got to go back to when Ronald Reagan was president. Not president of the United States, but president of the Screen Actors Guild. 1960 was the last time. A little perspective what's going on right now. This is a big deal, and at the end of the day, it is all about fairness. It is all about fairness and treating people what they what they are worth, what they deserve, and I am hopeful and, and continue to hold out that, that there will be some agreement reached. Again, as I've said, Colin Farrell said it best. We all know a deal is going to be reached, so let's just get it done and let's get back to to creating movies and, and TV shows and, and keeping the, the, the wheels turning because right now this is a reminder of just how fragile this system is and everything goes back to the writers. I'll leave in the show notes a bunch of links further on it because some of the stuff that has been set around by uh, by various uh, executives and 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 studio bosses it's just downright shameful and it's frankly cruel uh, again I've said it before and I'll say it again the writers 
are the backbone of the film and TV industry, and they should be treated with dignity and 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 fairness. And I I applaud in a lot of ways the actors for for standing with their fellow writers because all of this isn't possible without a script, without a story. It all goes back to the basics. So I, I'm just hoping that a deal can be can be made. Everyone can be treated fairly, and and we can we can get back to to business because ultimately everybody will will be affected by this and and feel the the down effect in in the short and ultimately in the long term so it's it's really on the studios now to to step up and and get something done that is fair and equitable for all the parties involved but that's all I'm going to say on that for the moment other than just this is absolute nonsense that we have to be going through this in the year 2023 Pay the damn writers. End of subject. All right, so onto onto something a little bit a uh, little bit more uh, positive, if you will. Matt Reeves recently did a podcast. Of course, many of you have heard me talk about Matt Reeves at length on various shows, uh, specifically for his involvement in the Batman franchise. Now he's been working. It's probably stalled now because of the because of the strike, but he has been working on the forthcoming sequel. And recently he went on a podcast hosted by the great cinematographer Roger Deakins, and they got to talking about the Batman and, and his thoughts on the sequel. And I will leave all the information in the in the full uh the full interview in the show notes because it is worth it is worth checking out. It's worth a listen. It's just a fascinating discussion uh, of two great cinematic minds as far as I'm concerned. But when asked about his thoughts on the sequel and what it is he wants to to accomplish, Matt Reeves says he's hoping to push it further and, and really sort of one-up himself from the last film. And, and that, to me, as a fan of the Batman franchise and, and, and loving these types of movies, that's wonderful to hear because you want to you want to keep pushing the envelope with each film. You can't just do a rehash of of what came before. But in addition, I think that shows that Matt Reeves knows that he has a lot on his his plate with this sequel because the first film did great. It made a lot of money. It had a a troubled production with COVID and all of the the delays in between. But it came out and it won over, frankly, the hearts and minds of audiences and critics across the globe so expectations will be uh, exponentially high for the forthcoming sequel and so makes perfect sense that you want to try to one-up yourself and go as far as you can with both the cinematography with the story with the action with the development and if you've watched any of Matt Reeves films particularly his involvement with the Planet of the Ape series he knows how to make a sequel he knows how to to borrow that phrase again, push the envelope. So this just excites me even more for the Batman. I know I've talked about it at length in the past and certainly we'll be talking about it again in the future, but certainly this is one of my most anticipated films coming out in the next few years. You know, scheduled right now for 2025, but given the, the strikes and, and delays, I, I expect that will be inevitably pushed forward, but I think ultimately uh, we, the fans and the audiences, will... Uh, will uh, you know, be uh, treated as something phenomenal and uh, on par, if not more so, than uh, than, uh, than than the Batman. But 
look forward to those developments as as more things start to trickle out. It's a great time to be a Batman fan and just a a, a lover of cinema in general because even though Matt Reeves excels at the comic book and and sort of the the action thriller genre, he's a really good storyteller and and he knows how to make a damn good movie. And I have all the confidence in the world that he will make an exceptional sequel when the time when the time arrives. All right, time for the main event. Time to light up this Christmas tree, if you will. Teased earlier that this is the Christmas in July episode. And I thought it would be a perfect opportunity to revisit one of my all-time favorite holiday films. And that is Elf, the 2003 classic starring Will Ferrell and James Caan. This is a movie I remember seeing back when it premiered now almost 20 years ago. Wow, hard to believe it has been that long. And sort of what got me thinking about this film is that... In that time, and again, I don't mean to to knock any film that has that has come out since then, but when we think of a classic Christmas film, a, a staple of the holiday season, people will automatically list It's a Wonderful Life, Miracle on 34th Street, A Christmas Story, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, The Santa Claus. Those are sort of the, the five that you will hear. And of course, you know, the, uh, uh, for the uh, acquired taste, you might throw in Die Hard, uh, which, you know, there's debate about that being a Christmas movie. I think it does classify as one. And of course, if we're going to throw in Die Hard, I'm going to have to mention Batman Returns as a, as a Christmas film. But I started, started thinking there really hasn't been a, a sort of a singular film in the last 20 years that really captures both the spirit of of the holiday season has become sort of required viewing if you will for for Christmas time movie watching and and is also just a a well-made film I mean there's certainly been plenty of Christmas movies produced in that time just turn on Hallmark and and you can find them starting probably in July and while those are an acquired taste in 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 the in, in the depending on your on your persuasion best or worst possible way elf in my view stands out as, as a a real triumph for not only the genre but but as a movie itself this is a christmas movie it has the trappings there is ed asner santa claus there's the wonderful aesthetic and, and vibe that, that brings to mind the rankin bass christmas special such as rudolph the red-nosed reindeer you have all of the the necessary decorations, if you will, a set and otherwise, for it to be a Christmas movie. But sort of in my view, what separates a, a, a just sort of generic Christmas movie from a, a well-made film and, and one that sort of transcends the genre is the story itself. Now, give a little, little bit of context on this film, uh, if you're curious this this movie was in production hell for over 10 years this movie started back as an idea in the early 90s and was originally pitched as a vehicle for Jim Carrey so sort of coming off of his success with Ace Ventura and The Mask this seemed like a a perfect uh, option for him to star in 
And, and one can see that. I mean, if this movie had been made in the 1990s, I think Jim Carrey would have been a perfect candidate to play Buddy the Elf, just as a, a, a larger-than-life um, figure. But I, I think it, in a lot of ways it, it worked out. I mean, Jim Carrey, of course, went on to do uh, The Grinch. So, I mean, he got his own Christmas movie and, and, and lives on uh, with that that you know, wonderful Yuletide status. But Elf is a different kind of movie because the comedy sort of arises from Buddy's own sincerity and, and just honest-to-goodness nature. I mean, it's a, it's a fish-out-of-water story. In, in the best possible way, you have a a, a a person raised as an elf, but for all intents and purposes, he is an elf. And so you're putting one of Santa Claus's helpers inside the uh, the world of everyday people, and on top of that, put him in a place like New York City. I mean, he's just going to stick out like a like a green thumb. And a lot of the 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 humor in this film comes from sort of the the, the clash of of cultures, you sort of have the New York style of, of thinking and living, coupled with the or, or, or clashing with the North Pole style of living, and and really at the heart of this film, outside of the uh, uh, you know, the antics with with Buddy and whether he's in the mailroom or the great scene when he's working at at Gimbel's and has a fight with the uh, with the fake Santa Claus. I mean, that's just one of my all-time favorite scenes in a, in, in a Christmas movie. It's just brilliantly done with the, the setup and ultimately the, the the payoff where Buddy rips off the, the, the fake Santa Claus's beard and, and you know starts screaming around in front of everybody, he's a fake, he's a fake, uh, and then results in getting a, gets you know, a banned from, from Gimbel's. Uh, and he remarks of it as just, oh, they gave me a restraining order. Like, it was no big deal. But... Where the, the strength of this film lies is in the heart. And, and of course, Christmas movies are, are noted for, for their, their sentimental nature and, and messages. But I, I think ones that, that succeed and kind of escape the hallmark uh, trap, if you will, is when you could take this movie or take the story and, and apply it to any, any situation and it would still be a good movie the Christmas setting and themes just make it even even better and, of course, more memorable. But at the heart of this story is somebody trying to find their identity, trying to find their place in the world, and then ultimately trying to, to reconnect with the only father figure, you know, real father figure uh, that, that, that he has and sort of a connection to his past. And, and, and you bring in James Caan, who's... I mean, may he rest. In, may he rest in peace. The man was a was a towering and, a, and just powerful actor, and and he he really delivers one of my favorite performances uh, of his career because he plays the cynical, hard edged businessman type, and you contrast that with Buddy's bubbly personality. I mean, you get for great comedy, but you also get for an interesting arc where, in a lot of ways, both of these characters rescue each other they both you know sort of reconnect and discover themselves in their place through each other walter becomes less cynical and much more open and 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 loving by the end of the film buddy you know finally discovers his his place where he can find that balance between being both a a human but also someone who was raised by elves and it's 
it, it's just a it's a movie that makes you feel good by the time the credits roll. And, and again, I think the Christmas setting and, and all those trappings just enhance the glow of it because again, Will Ferrell really. I mean, this this is one of those performances that stays with you. And I mean. For better or for worse, I mean, even in all the films that he has done, and, and Will Ferrell is a is a great actor. He's he's hilarious uh, in in everything he does. Uh, that that's a comedy. But uh, every time I see him, and again, I'm, this is not a, a criticism, but I I automatically think of Buddy the Elf, and I think that just sort of underscores what a what a powerful performance this film has. Is that you know, you never once think you're you're watching the actor you're you're watching the character you're you're watching buddy on screen and and that to me is a real powerful uh, achievement when, when an actor can sort of make you forget about anything they have done before or or after and you just see them in that particular role i mean you you believe that this guy lived at the north pole this guy has been an elf all of his life i mean just it's such a, a sincere and honest to goodness performance that you're transfixed by it, and every time I rewatch this film, I am transfixed by it. It's it's one of those heartwarming and just laugh out loud beautiful performances, and it hasn't it hasn't aged poorly in in, in now twenty years. It, it it holds up, and I think it's because of that 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 honest to goodness nature. I mean, especially as our our world becomes more more cynical and 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 uh, dark. Probably isn't the right word, but you you get the you get the picture. These kind of these kind of movies and these kind of characters become all the more ref, uh, refreshing and and enjoyable because they, they they give you that 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 spark. You have that twinkle in your eye, that that warm feeling in your chest. And again, I mean. I, I enjoy Christmas movies. I, I some of my favorite films are Christmas movies, and this one just it, it just it just connects with you every time you watch it. I, I've probably watched it a dozen times or more, and every time I I see it, it's like I'm watching it for the first time. And I think it's just it's the the straightforward nature of of both the story of a, of an of an elf trying to find his place in the world and reconnecting with his dad and then throwing in the, the measure of saving Christmas by the end of the film. It, it's just beautiful. It's it, it's sweet. It, it's sentimental in the best possible way. And it, it puts you in the holiday spirit. I mean, this is a movie I will start my Christmas season off with usually right around Thanksgiving time because it, it just, it, it makes you want to, you know, get up and, and, and sing a Christmas song. You know, his buddy says, sing loud for all. To uh, to hear and that's that's magic. That that is something powerful when you can be sort of transfixed by a movie now for over twenty years and and every time you rewatch it, there sort of is that reconnection of that spark from the first time that you saw it. But I mean, James Caan and and and, and Will Ferrell. I mean, they 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 own this this movie and, and it's a perfect dichotomy of each other because especially. James Caan, you you think of a lot of the, the films that he has that that he was in. To have him in a you know essentially a Christmas movie, a kids movie, he 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 plays it he plays it straight. He doesn't uh, you know 
turn in a, a, a hammy or over-the-top performance. It's very grounded, and yet it, it, it's it's such a wonderful arc to see him go from the cynical hard ass into to a guy who's you know willing to open up and 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 you know show his emotion and find that Christmas spirit. I mean, that's really the big takeaway I have for this movie is that it. It's about rediscovering that that magic of Christmas, and and Buddy is that sunny, bright, optimistic glow throughout the entire movie, and and even when things start to go a little a little down for him, when he thinks that his his father doesn't want him in his life, he still doesn't lose that spark. He still doesn't lose that that hope, and it's that energy that that propels him to ultimately help and save Christmas, and of course reunite his family and, and find his place in the world. And I mean, that's, that's magical. That's inspiring. And, and what a, what a perfect message. And then what a perfect Christmas movie. I mean, if you, if you were to ask me to rank, uh, you know, sort of a top five Christmas films, I, I would definitely put this in, in the top five because it is a, it's one that it's memorable for, in terms of the, the quotes from the film, I mean, just I mean, Buddy's line, you know, "Son of a nutcracker." I mean, you know, it, it, now it's sort of become commonplace jargon around the holidays. But I mean, that's that's a great line. That's a great line, and it's and it stays with you. Uh, but but these these characters, these situations are are enduring. They're magical, and again, you know, not to knock any film that has come in the last twenty years since Elf, but. It's really hard to think of one that has had such an, an impact on on the uh, on the Christmas uh, pop culture scene, if you will. I mean, again, there you, you don't see people you know, making T-shirts for another Christmas movie, deck the halls. You know, I mean, like uh, uh, not to open that that can of worms, but I mean, you know, you sort of have well-made Christmas movie on one hand, and, and then you know, then there's deck the halls, and so. I mean, you think of people have you know elf T-shirts and elf decorations and coffee mugs. I mean, it's it has become in this it, as part of Christmas as a Christmas story. It's a Wonderful Life, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, and and I mean that's a, that's a hell of an achievement, but but frankly a worthy uh, achievement because this is one of the better Christmas movies uh, that's that's been made. It's a wonderful, heartwarming story that's that's perfect for rediscovering the the, the, the inner child in in all of us, and and it just leaves you with a huge Christmas smile on your face. And and in this world today, we need a little bit more of that. You know, in, in a world of cynicism, be Buddy the Elf, optimistic, positive, and, and have a a a love for Christmas that carries you throughout the whole year. I mean, it's it's been said, and I will say it here, if every day uh, could be like Christmas, what a world it would be. And and I, I feel very strongly about that, especially in the context of this movie. But I put it out to you, the listeners. What are some of your favorite Christmas movies? Kind of kickstart the, the holiday season early, uh, given this is a... Uh, the, the, the Christmas in July episode. Let me know on on Twitter. I'm also uh, on Threads now, so you can reach me there, and I will leave all that information in the show notes. But uh, I wanna wanna hear from you. What are some of your favorite Christmas films? Where do you uh, where do you rank Elf? Is this one of your treasured Christmas classics? As it is mine. Let me know your thoughts. As always, I want to thank you for taking 
the time to listen to this show and be a part of this cinematic journey with me. As always, I've said it before and I'll say it again. I value and appreciate every single one of you. I consider you a friend, and I'm just delightful, uh, delighted, and 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 forever grateful that you uh, you uh, take the time to listen to this show and and your encouragement, your support. It just means the world to me. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you, thank you, thank you, and uh, a very early Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays to each and every one of you. That's all I have for you this week. Slight programming note. Next Friday's show will actually air on Tuesday, and the midweek show, Let Me Fill You In, will air on Friday. Now, the reason for this is next Tuesday will mark 15 years since the premiere of my favorite film of all time, The Dark Knight, and I thought it was a perfect opportunity to capitalize on the film's anniversary, and frankly, anytime I can talk about my favorite movie of all time is fine by me so that is the schedule for next week's show hope you can tune in take care have a good weekend and we'll do this all over again next week for the love of movies